peek behind the curtain of the Softly Training Lab with the Softly Performance Podcast. The pinnacle of human performance is out there, and we intend to find it. Welcome back to another Softly Performance Podcast, guys. Today I got on Billy the 100 Mile Slayer. All right, I probably messed that up, but it's Billy the Slayer of 100 Mile Races, however you want to think about it, Richards. He is currently right now... Um, looking to chase and break the total amount of 100-mile races in the calendar year that is currently for 2019, um, and, and which is, 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 a, is really interesting and, and, and a huge, huge feat to try and accomplish. And pre-show, we talked a little about you know some of the stories of what he's done when he's running his first 100-mile race to where he's at today, and he's been doing this for about five years now, coming from multiple different backgrounds in the strength world. He's a personal trainer now and works on athletes, works with athletes, and really has a really cool um, story. So today, what I want to do is I wanted to bring awareness and, and, and bring you know what Billy is doing because it does line up with our ethos of die living, right? He's chasing something that he enjoys doing. And this is this is one thing that I'm really interested of hearing and why he wants to do it. So, Billy, welcome to the show, brother. All right, thank you for having me on. Thank you for having me on the show and everything. Um, basically, yeah, I'm uh, I'm, I'm chasing uh, editing Edinghausen's uh, hundred mile record of uh, he completed uh, 41 in uh, 2014. So right now I have uh, 43 scheduled and. Um, yeah, so that's uh that's pretty much what that's pretty much what I'm going for. So a little room for error. Um, the best I've done so far, I uh, knocked out eight in a row earlier this year, and um, you know, so um, I got into the yeah I got into doing this. Um, I've done I had the idea I could do it because I've done multi day like ultras and everything before. Like um, in uh, 2017, I tested myself out a little bit. I did uh, eight ultra distances and a marathon in nine consecutive days. And um, at the end of 2017, I did uh, four marathons in four days with a 45 pound pack. And then um, at the end of the year last year, um, I did the Savage Seven series. And at the end of the year, they added a 50K distance. So I did that seven days in a row. So after doing all these things, you know, like, uh, and I, I only had about 10, uh, 100 milers under my belt, you know, coming into the year. But I just believed it was, uh, I just, you know, I just believed there was something I could do. And uh, each year, I always try to test myself to see what I'm capable of. But um, at the end of the year last year, I started uh, researching world records. I didn't really plan on doing this until like the middle of January. But I, the wheels started kind of turning about it. So like, um, you know, first last year, I looked, I looked it up, found out about it. And then um, I hypothetically looked up like 100 miles for the year. And I found enough to be able to do it. But at the same time, I was like, you know what? I'm never going to be able to afford to do that. So, you know, I was like, you know, like last year was my Spartan year. So I did, uh, I did 12, tri- I did 12 Spartan trifectas. If you're familiar with Spartan races at all. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, you do, you do the sprint super beast, um, three, you know, um, you know, all in a calendar year, you get a trifecta. I mean, I did it. I did that 12 times last year wow. along with uh, all six us ultra beasts. And, uh, I even went, I went to Iceland for the, uh, ultra world championship too. So, I mean, that was, that was like last year's goal. And I got, you know, I was able to do a lot of that by working mass amount of volunteer shifts. Yeah. But, that's, um, it's, that's crazy. Yeah. But, um, that was, that was, that was like my goal for last year, but you know, like this year originally I was going to do kind of do something along the same lines almost, 
then I had the idea to go a little bit bigger and above and beyond. And, um, I just researched it, you know, and, um, I had a pretty good streak going cause, uh, October, November, December of, uh, last year, I, uh, you know, I completed hundred mile races, you know, so three months in a row. And then I did that Savage seven at the end of the year. So coming into this year, I really only took like a two week break. And then I had the, uh, frozen hellhole hundred, uh, scheduled. And, uh, that was going to, you know, cause I was going to see how many, how long I could streak like monthly on the one hundreds. Yeah. So I had the frozen hellhole scheduled. Then I had the Rocky raccoon in Texas scheduled. And then, um, I also had the beast of burden. So I would have had two for February. And then, um, I forgot what I originally had scheduled for March, but I had one scheduled like one a month for the year. So I did the, I did the frozen hellhole first. I actually ended up winning it by 15 seconds, which is kind of funny. Wow. But, um, but with that, but, but with that, I did that one. And then I found the, I found the skydive ultra the next week. So, you know, it was way out of my price range and everything with the skydive and everything. So I started looking up and then I saw that you can, uh, have an option, not the skydive for like about $200 less. And then I found the, I, I got a pretty good deal on a flight to Orlando Orlando. Orlando is a little far away from Clewiston, but at the same time, the Orlando, if you're going to go to Florida, Orlando is the place to fly into. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, so I did those two back to back and, um, Orlando or, uh, the skydive ultra actually turned out to be my PR 100. Yeah. Which is crazy though. Cause I just did a 100 the weekend before. So I did that. I mean, I'm not a fast runner. I did it in 22 hours and 53 minutes. So then I was already scheduled for the Rocky raccoon the following weekend. You know, so I did that one and then I found a last minute deal on a flight to El Paso for the Lone Star 100 and the Lone Star 100, if you've ever done, it's a pretty brutal race. So when I completed that on a uh, week four, the wheels started turning a little bit and I was already signed up for the, um, some, uh, the winter beast of burden on week five. So I started thinking to myself, I'm like, you know what? I could probably pull this off, but I don't really have the money to do it. So I started putting out all sorts of fundraising links asking sponsors, stuff like that. So I started the, you know, and then I was chipping away paycheck by paycheck, trying to pay off some of this stuff. And I was able to pull it together to the point where I got a couple of months in advance. And then, you know, I had a friend offer to help out and everything. So I was able to get all my races registered for still working on flights a little bit. I got all my flights booked out till like, uh, the end of September, beginning of October, but I'm, I'm, I'm still putting the wheels in motion, but yeah, I mean, like, um, I, I'm actually, some of these weekends I go out there feeling terrible and then all of a sudden magically I just stumble across the finish line. <laughs> well, that's the thing though, right? Like, cause like we talked about pre-show, you come from, you're not only, you come from two branches of service. You come from the Marine Corps and you come from the army. Um, and, 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 and everyone has their poison, right? Everyone has their dragon. They, they chase and they fight for what, why, why is it that you want to run this many hundreds in a year. I understand it's a world record, but why not? You know, what is it that makes you tick to make you show up to a race when you don't feel like a hundred percent or you feel like complete shit and your legs hurt and you have a hundred miles to race now, you know, like that's, that is the fascinating thing to me, right? Is because we know what it feels like to run on tired legs and to go ahead and do back to back a hundreds. It's kind of is, is, is a a feat of its own. So yeah, like I want to hear a little bit more about that, dude. That'd be really cool to kind of really, elaborate on in terms of, you know, when we're talking about showing up to the start line and having to race. 
Well, one of the, well, one of the things that uh, actually get you know, I, I I do every single race I run with the American flag. So doing that, like in general, just kind of you know gives me extra motivation as well, because you know, like uh, carrying with the American flag, I almost get the feeling sometimes where if I fail, I let everybody down. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So that kind of helps. And also too, like uh, the journey just to get to the starting line is a nightmare sometimes. Like, cause with all, cause I still work a full-time job during the week. I just have a, you know, a full-time job with a little bit of flexibility cause I, cause I do personal training. Yeah. So usually Monday through Thursday, my week is stacked. And then Friday I'll still train a couple of sessions in the morning. So like uh, we'll, we'll take, for example, I think Arkansas is probably the worst one, the love it one. I mean, not like the worst difficulty wise, but like, uh, as far as logistics and everything go, because that race had a Friday night at 5 PM start time. So I got, I get to the airport Friday morning. I fly from LaGuardia to uh, little rock, Arkansas. I land at one, pick up yeah. the rental car, drive two hours, get to the starting line by like about quarter after three and then pick my stuff up and then get ready to roll. I do the race. I have enough time to take a two hour nap after the race is over. I drive back to the airport, sleep on the floor for a little bit and then hop on the plane, get back home. And then it's back to work on Monday. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean to run these hundred mile races, it's not just running the hundred mile races. It's actually traveling is, is yeah. actually more of a nightmare than running it. So I guess you can say like, Oh cool. I'm here. Finally. Now I have to run the race as well. You know, you, oh, yeah. of these of these external motivations that you well, utilize, you, right? You Carrying the flag. Back your head, though, too. Like, you know, on the Love It one, too, we had thunderstorms. There was one point where I was, like, completely soaked and sitting in, like, a heated car because they held us there, you know, until the storm cleared. And then I'm, I'm like, shivering violently, and I'm, like, borderline hypothermic, and I'm at the point where I'm debating pulling myself. And then I start to think it's, like, Okay, I I I flew all the way to Arkansas. I'm not failing. No, and that's you know that's saying? the thing. Like, yeah, start thinking of the journey just to the starting line. If you quit, you threw you're throwing all that away. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I guess. Yeah, I guess we can look at it that way. Like I, I know whenever we see people do drop out of races, there is a story behind it, and there's yeah. certain reasons people do it. Some people just do it just because they just want to quit and they don't want to do it. But there's other stories. But yes, you're right, right? That journey when when we are at mile 75 and it's it, it's just tough as shit. And yeah. you had that in the back here. Like, well, I've put this many hours into training. I've traveled. I've done this. I got support here. I got family here. It does really make a big difference of understanding of having that there to continue moving you forward, especially in times that you're talking about. Um, yeah. You know, it is, is the thing there. Too. Most of the times I'm... Um, I mean, I've had a few people volunteer to pace with me and everything, but most of the times with me, I'm solo. I don't, you know, nobody's there. I don't have a crew. I don't have anything. It sounds, yeah, it sounds like that. You're a very, you're so, a very independent dude. It sounds like, right? Like you're, you're very to yourself. You like enjoying these things. Yeah, pretty um, much. I mean, I, I have ran races with friends before. Yeah. But you know, for the most part with this challenge and everything, though, it's also, it's also one of those things though, where you're not really going to get a crew, going to be able to get a crew to follow you around like 43 weekends. It just doesn't yeah. happen, you because, know, like, you know, you like, I mean, my job's a little flexible, but most people work part or uh, full time, and you know. Cool. I I, I know. So I'm going to ask you a few questions since you're running so many hundred mile races, and this this will help the listeners out too. Is 
what are you doing in terms of nutrition during the races? You know, I'm pretty sure you've had, you have that dialed in now or you have to make some adjustments. I mean, um, well, it depends on the race. I mean, most of most races, the aid stations are fully stocked. So I rely a lot on the aid stations, you know, um, I always have like a five hour energy and Advil on me. That helps out a lot. Um, I'm very conservative with the Advil though. Like, cause you know, your kidneys are already under a lot of strain and everything as it is. Like you don't want to overdo it. You know, if you like, I'll take like two, like every five, six hours. Okay. You know, it's just enough to keep you going though. Just enough to keep the swelling and everything down. Um, I always, I always have, I, you know, I bring like a small camel back with uh, compartments in it. Okay. So I'll, I'll always make sure I have like a couple of five hour energy shots on me, especially going into the night because the night time, night times what gets everybody. I mean, that's usually like, if I'm going to, like, if I'm going to drop out, it's going to be at night. So I want to make sure I keep myself awake, you know, cause I have had a few races that have done me in because, you know, I was just like completely exhausted and drained. I mean, my mentality's changed a little bit this year. And I think a lot of that is too, though, because of David Goggins' story, you know, I, I only discovered him last year, but you know, like, um, yeah, like lately, like I just don't let myself drop. Like even if I have to take like a ten minute micro nap or something like that, you know. Have you but, have um, you found those naps to actually be beneficial for you, like uh, during the race like that, or has it hindered you before? Um, it's like it's it's a double edged sword. You know, it all depends on the day. Um, I've had times where I've decided to like lay down for a little bit, and then my body just completely crashed. And then I've had other days where it, where it rejuvenates my legs a little bit, and then it just keeps me going. Cool. You know, so it's kind of, it's a risk, but, um, I mean like this year it's been, it's been a little different. Like, uh, there have been circumstances this year where in the past I would have pulled myself from a race, but this year I kept going and just weathered the storm. And, you know, like this, like this past weekend was a rough one. The one in, yeah. um, I just did in Connecticut. It was, it wasn't really even a hundred, it was a 30 hour race and you had to get a hundred miles within 30 hours, obviously. You know, but that's, that's, um, that's pretty much like a 100 mile standard. But, um, you know, with that race, it, it was, uh, it was like a two and a quarter mile loop and you had to do it 45 times to get a hundred miles. So like at lap 37, I probably had heat exhaustion real bad. I was puking all over the place and it got to the point where if I exerted myself at all, I would just start puking and I wasn't yeah. holding anything down. So I, I had eight laps to go. So at that point, it's like, you don't really want to quit and everything. And the race director also helped me out a little bit and, you know, with like room and board and stuff like that. And, uh, he was, um, you know, he's like an old school Vietnam vet and, you know, he's, he really appreciated the flag being carried. So it's one of those things where you don't, I don't, I didn't really want to let this guy down. Yeah. So I get up and I couldn't run the remainder of the race. So I just walked. And I had enough time where I walked at like a super slow pace and I came in at about, I came in at the hundred mile point at about 29 hours and 15 minutes, somewhere around nice. there. So I, I still, I still managed, I still managed to get it done though. But, uh, but you know, it was, it, it was, it was, it was a fight, you know, but it, it was, it was in the nineties. I mean, like, um, and we've had, it's been unseasonably cool here, like on the East coast. Yeah. And just, and just within the matter of like the past week, the temperatures just climbed. So on a normal year, I'd already be like a little bit more acclimated to the heat, but like right now, like last week was rough and yeah. you know, I, I still made it through, but you know, 
So, yeah, that, I, I know that's the same thing here in California right now, especially with the weather. You know, I usually am somewhat heat adapted already going into June, yeah. just because May is usually a little bit hotter time period. Not the case at all. When I went into San Diego 100, it was a hot day. We had, I mean, I've ran probably more in the rain this year than I have yeah. in a very long time, even in the military, right? So I know exactly that feeling and there's similarities in terms of like, yeah, body's not used to heat time to start exerting yourself at your normal exertion that you do. And then you're like, Oh, you got to slow down. You start having problems. Uh, is, 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 is already a, it seems like you, you, this is not easy for you. Let's just say that that's what it comes no, down to. It sounds like this no, is, I'd, I'd, lie, I'd be lying to you if I told you that I've been cruising through and this has been, easy. That, well, and that's you the know, funny I, thing with, with social media though, right? Is like, we look at social oh, media, everybody's you, like, Oh, you're superhuman. You know, this is, Oh, you make it look easy. It's like, no, it's not easy at all. <laughs> here, here it is right now, guys. Billy is saying it like no, one, it's a fucking logistic, like, excuse my language, but it's, it's a logistical nightmare just to get to these races. If they're not within the area of you, which oh, takes yeah, a toll on the system already. Now you have to race. Are, like typically anything like, like, I guess like 12 out a 12 hour drive away or less. I've been driving though, because it's still cheaper than flying. Yep. Like when I did the frozen hellhole, the very first one, I drove back from South Carolina after running a hundred miles and what would normally be like, what would normally be about a 12 hour drive was probably like closer to 20 just because like every 50 miles I had to pull over and put my head down for like about 20 minutes. So I didn't like wipe out and die. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. But, so yeah, that, I mean, I, I'm, I won't let myself get to the point where I'm that tired to where I'm going to run myself off the road or anything though. Like I'll pull over before that happens, but yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy, man. You know, to look at the idea that you are doing this many races in a year and the logistical nightmare that you have to do with it. And you're still doing them obviously with trying to raise money to do it, you know, raising money for different charities as you're doing it. There's a yeah. lot of things behind it. Right. But at the same time, though, it's like your life is consumed by this right now. Right. Like, yes, you are working a full time oh, yeah. job, but you said it on pre-show, too, is that some of your one of your good friends is a sponsor of yours who owns a PT clinic and he works on you two to three times a week and you don't run during the week either. Like your training runs are your 100 mile runs like yeah. you go in there. And right. Like it has to be that way, though, because I mean, like if I'm if I'm training during the week right now, it's counterproductive, you know, it, it's recovery and everything. How much are you sleeping though, right? Like, is there a lot of sleep that's involved with this right now during the week? Are you really trying to harp um, on that? I do the I do the best I can. I mean, I I, I have cut down my uh, personal training hours just a little bit, you know. So I usually try to get get in the bed like by minimum like nine o'clock at night, and then you know I start out I start work at like five in the morning. So gen in general, I can get between seven seven eight hours a week of uh, sleep a night. Okay. So I, I am getting a, an average amount of sleep a night. Um, you know, I mean, obviously, obviously on the weekends, I'm not really sleeping. But I mean, I haven't really been putting 100% with the uh, 100 milers either, though. I've been kind of, you know, because it's like a long-term goal. So I'll figure out what the cutoffs are. And then that's, that's the big thing I try to make. But I also don't like taking cutoffs to the wire because I get paranoid about time. So like, let's say I have a flat 100, for example, right? You know, I'll knock the first 50 out generally between like nine and a half, ten and a half hours, depending on how I'm feeling that day. And then I'll split the remaining 50 into like two different marathons almost. So like after the first 50, I might chill for an hour. After the next 25, I might chill for an hour and then I'll finish the rest of the race. But it all depends on how my legs are feeling though. Because, you know, if you have a 30 hour cutoff and you finish the first 50 in like nine and a half, ten hours, you got 20 hours left. You know, it's like, 
you got plenty of time to do it. So you just kind of chip away at that point, you know, and also too, if you, you know, like it saves your legs for the next week. Yeah. Cause that's one of the yeah. hardest parts too, you know, but some of these things like, um, I, I had one injury this year so far, but so, but so far it's healed up pretty fine. I had, um, had a shin splint in my right leg. Okay. And I got that during the peak ultra. I don't know exactly what point I got it at. I think it was uh, running down a 40% downgrade <laughs> because they had, uh, there were two down trees and a Creek crossing right at the bottom. So you had to slam the brakes on. I think it was like the eighth lap that it happened on. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. That just yeah, takes a toll. It was a 10 mile loop. You had to do 10 times. So I think it was like lap eight it happened on and like only two of us were still active in the race at that point. You know, so I was currently like two hours in the lead. So I had to keep going and I just had like, um, you know, like, uh, spot it, it was done by peak races though. So peak is like a sister company of Spartan. Okay. So they, you know, so they had just interviewed me and, um, you know, like, um, helped me out quite a bit with it. So like I was still, you know, I was under, I was under the gun a little bit with that. So, you know, a lot of pressure and everything. Yeah. So the injury you had, you know, did you take any time off after that injury or did you race the following weekend or did you kind of take a couple of weeks well, off and I, do that? I, att I attempted the following weekend. I did the, the following weekend was the keys 100. Okay. And I figured since it was flat and everything, you know, and they had, they give you like a 32 hour cutoff, I'd be able to do it. But yeah, this is like the week after I caught that shin splint. In the meantime, my right leg looks like an elephant. It's like, yeah. small, you know, but, um, I made it, I got to mile 50 at 12 and a half hours in the keys 100. So I was doing okay. But, um, then after a while, I mean, the pavement actually got to it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah. it felt, it felt bad in the beginning of the race, but I still gutted it out. I mean, I had plenty of time to finish, but it got to the point where about 60 miles in, um, I couldn't even walk more than like a um, half a mile without having to sit down for like two minutes. And then I get to mile 65, I see a course marshal vehicle. And then I start thinking to myself, I'm like, wait a minute, this is only like week 16. I have, I have like, at this time I had 44 events total. So I start thinking to myself, it's like, all right, at this point, I probably should just nix it. Otherwise everything for the remainder of the year is going to go to waste. Yeah. So I ended up, I ended up pulling myself at uh, mile 65. That's one of the very few times. I mean, just because the pain was just unbearable. Yeah. So I, I pulled myself out of that. And then I took the fall. I was supposed to do the Iowa Backroads Ultra the following weekend. So I, I actually listened to my friend this time and I took that <laughs> weekend off. So it put my, but it put my back against the wall though. Cause now at this point I was, um, saw the, you know, the record's 42 and I was signed up for exactly 42 events and now I can't fail. You know, luckily I'm, I'm, I'm in 43 right now. Cause they just opened, they opened up another 24 hour race in November. So I just signed up for that a couple of weeks ago, but at this time it was 42. So, you know, um, I skipped that one. And then the following weekend I had the, uh, Infinitus 100 and I figured I'd use that like as, as funny as it sounds for like a recovery one, because that race offered a 48 hour cutoff. Oh, wow. Yeah. So. I figured, and it was like, um, it was, um, you had to do a seven mile loop three times and a 20 mile loop, uh, eight times. Oh, wow. To get okay. a total of hundred miles. So you just alternated back and forth between the two, but they gave us 48 hours to do it. I mean, the terrain was rugged, but at the same time with, uh, 
you know, with, with that long, that's still a lot of time to do a 100 miler, no matter like how rugged. Yeah. So after the first, um, uh, seven mile and 20 mile loop, I kind of assessed it a little bit. So being that my shin was feeling like garbage and I was pretty much playing slip and slide in the mud. Like every time I knocked out a loop, I just kind of sat and chilled for an hour and just chipped away, chipped away. And uh, I took 39 hours to finish it. So I still had like nine hours on the tail end. You know what I'm saying? And I very casually did it. So, you know, it um, gave me a chance to kind of heal up a little bit. But then the following weekend, I had the Eagle Up Ultra. And uh, the Eagle Up Ultra had a tw- is a 24-hour race. So you had to push that one. That one I had to push. So that's why. So you see where the strategy kind of comes in a little bit. Yeah, I'm, and I'm actually starting to see the, the 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 approach that you're doing here, and I'm excited. Like, yeah, we're we're talking a lot about different stories and the way you've done these races and the logistic nightmare that we have. But there is a methodical approach to this because that's what I was going to get to next. Is oh, like, yeah. Are you, are you taking four weeks off between, you know, a certain number of like, say you do 20 ultras, 20, hundred miles, are you taking like a couple of weeks off to let the body recover so you can get well, ready for the next big push? I can't because like right now with this past one that I just finished, I started a stretch of like 25 weeks in a row. Okay. So now until the end of it, this is it. This is like the home stretch. That's so, so that means you have to finish the rest of them now. Pretty much. I have one. I have one race. I have like a one race room for error. That's it. So, I mean, I, you know, and that's only because I found that other 24 hour race though. And that other 24 hour race, that's not even a guarantee either. Cause I think it's flat, but I'm not sure. Okay. You know, so, so 24 hour 20 was, you know, it's, it's, it's not easy to get a hundred miles in and under 24 hours. It it takes a lot of work. Yeah. I've only done it three times. So (laughs) Yeah, but you've also won races too. That, that's the cool thing, oh, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, you've also ran. Well, the type of races I win are like those last man standing types. Like, well, not not that type of race, but like similar in, in, like in really like rugged terrain where, like the frozen hellhole, for example. I mean, I you know I just I just I just kept the steady pace, and we had this thunderstorm from hell at like one in the morning, and it knocked out like half the people that were running it. Damn. And it was it was swampy, it was grimy, it was muddy. You know, I I almost I I was in the lead for like a majority. I almost lost the lead actually. You know, there was a little two mile out and back we had to do at the end of I think it was. I don't I don't some of these events run together. I think it was like either six or eight laps or something like that. Plus we had to do a two uh, two mile out and back to make up the distance. So. On the out and back, the only way you were coming back is if you were going to the finish line. So the aid station had told me I was ahead by like a good like hour or two or whatever. So I was casually walking back. I was actually limping a little bit because my legs were freezing up on me. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I hear footsteps behind me. I turn around, and I, you know, I see this lady, and I'm like, wait, I'm like, wait a minute, are you in second place? And she's like, yeah. <laughs> all of a sudden, I got this shot of adrenaline, and I just picked it up, and I just sprinted. It was only, it was like about 200 meters from the uh, finish line. I just sprinted all the way down to the end and I ended up winning by like 15 seconds uh, over the first, like a hundred miles. So it was, it was cl- very close to being a photo finish. And, so, and that's funny because in ultra marathons, we don't usually see those kind of sprint finishes. Let's just be real No, here. not at all. Usually you're just like, 
I, I, something you usually you want to, you know, like most people want to do the run for the photo finish, but I've had races where I've just hobbled across the finish line. I just, I just had that race at San Diego 100. I, I was like, I ran, I ran a strong 88 miles and my calf, I ended up rolling my ankle at mile like 55, had some cramps. Um, and it just, my ankle just took a toll on it. And it literally was like, Dunskis. I literally had to do my last nine miles going into the finish line at like a 17 minute mile pace just to get across the finish line because my left leg was just, yeah. my left calf was the size of a, of an elephant's <laughs> leg too, you know? Um, yeah. so dude, cool. You know, we understand. So we understand you love running a hundred mile races and they're not but easy I for you. Say I love them. I just, I saw the challenge. So I took it. <laughs> no, it, exactly. Right. And that kind of goes back right. to the ethos of die living for us. You know, it's like you see a challenge and you want to see what your body is capable yeah. of doing. And you do understand the risk and the harms that you do get from doing this. Um, but let's go ahead and reverse a little bit and go back because you do come from a strength background. And that's yeah. something that we do push here at Softly, you know, with our athletes is like, hey, if you're going to go into the military or a tactical athlete in general, you do need a strength background and a strength foundation due to the fact because it makes you durable and helps you be sustainable and creates longevity. Kind well, of the I, cool th- I agree completely. And um, one of the first, uh, the very first Sergeant Major I had when I was in the Marine Corps, he, uh, he, was actually one of the guys that encouraged us to take our, take our guys to the gym and everything. Is he, um, he, and it's very, it's very seldom you get that from like an old school Marine though. Cause usually like, and this is yeah. like back, um, this was like 2000, this was even before nine 11. So this was like right in the beginning, like mid 2001 after I got back from my first deployment and, uh, he pulled us all together and he, he went and had this briefing with us and he told us, he's like, look, you guys, you guys could run all day to get to the fight, but what are you going to do when you get there when you have no strength? That's he's actually like, a really good fucking yeah, way to approach like, it. I, I want you guys taking your guys to the gym. You know, you guys, you know, like, so he, it, it all depends on who you have. Like, you know, cause most, uh, like, especially old school, most, most, uh, most Marines were just run, run, run all the yeah. time. And body weight pushups, pull-ups, and that's it. Yeah. Like, so like, you know, you had a bunch of, you know, you had a bunch of scrawny dudes that could run fast, but then it's like, if they ever had to like go toe to toe, it's like, what's going to happen here? You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. You know, and usually, you know, especially with, especially with the infantry guys, cause you're already, you know, like with the infantry, you're already like beaten to death, like going out to the field, like three days a week. And then you get back. It's like, who the hell wants to hit the gym when you get back? Cause you're just all worn out and tired. Well, you know? and that's, the, that's the funny thing though, right? The old school, that's the old school mentality is like, I, ha- I trained out in the yeah. field or whatever else. I don't have the energy to put forth in the gym. I'll still go do it. And even now to this day, people will do that, right? Like, Hey, I'm in the field or I'm doing these things or I'm on shift yeah. at nighttime and I want to go burn it down in the gym and it ends up leading to problems. Right. And that's one thing that we really, we really try and hoping to create opportunities for, for athletes is that right. It's like, Hey, like we need you well, guys to understand is recovery distance running, especially, especially it's very important that you lift weights. Very important. You know, and that's, even yeah. Yeah. Even let's if let's hear it too, though. Cause I mean, like, you know, if you're doing the, you know, it doesn't matter what you do, whether you're a swimmer, whether you're a runner, whether you're a biker, but if you do the same thing over and over and over again, you know, you're going to develop a pattern overload though. So, so those muscles that you're constantly using the run, they're just going to get tighter and tighter and tighter, you know, like, like by mixing stuff in, but like occasionally doing like uh, full range of motion squats, full range of motion lunges, stuff like that you're still, you're still actively taking those muscles through a full range of motion. So, you know, you're still in a way stretching them out, even if you're not doing flexibility training. So you're working out in any imbalances that, that may occur, like just from doing nothing but running. So it's very important that you lift weights and everything. 
you know, even from, you know, cause like you'd always get, um, you know, there's a reason why they call like that straight spine posture, the military posture, you know what I'm saying? You know, just, just cause, you know, shrugged up shoulders a little bit, chin tucked back, straight spine, you know, just cause it's like a, you know, like runner's body record, whatever you want to call it. You know, if you don't work out all those, um, you know, postural imbalances, that straight spine could lead to herniated discs and everything else, you know? So, uh, I've, it's funny you bring that up cause I've actually tried to talk to guys cause you'll see guys who carry rucks all the time or run with rucks all the time. And they're like this traps to ears and that's all they're doing with a straight spine or bent over slight spine of the, of the yeah. T spine, you know, and all of a sudden they take the ruck off and they're stuck like that still. And it's like, Hey guys, you should be probably focusing on reversing that movement pattern or that, that current oh, yeah. uh, pattern you have. And that's something that we do push here at Softly, you know? So it's really cool to be able to have someone on the podcast who comes from that strength background, who also runs this amount of miles, but also believes that, hey, yeah. strength training is a huge part, which leads me into this thing before we start wrapping it up, but is if it wasn't for your strength training right now, would you be able to, or your strength background, would you be able to handle the amount of hundreds you're doing today? Well, you know what? I actually um, I actually was talking to, talking to Walter about this one day because he comes from a little bit of a strength background too, I think. Cool. Yeah, because he does like CrossFit and stuff like that as well. But like, um, I think the gym rat background built my bone density up a little bit more, you know, because what most people don't realize is when you lift weights, you're not only, uh, you know, you're not only building your muscles, though, but you're increasing your bone density as well. So I think the gym, what, what happened with the gym rat background and everything is it built my bone density enough to where I'm a little less prone to stress fractures and everything as well. Yeah, you because know, I mean, running itself, like, and I'm I'm not talking sprinting. I'm not talking what, you know, like, is, I like sprinting. I uh, I think sprinting like helps with your bone density a little bit too. But distance running really doesn't do much. If anything, though, the high cortisol levels that are put out actually deteriorate your bone a little bit. Yeah. So, like, if you have a strength training background, it definitely helps. You know. So, yeah, I, I guess I can say the same thing because, like, you know, I, I came from a, being in the tactical athlete world. You know, I used to run, swim, bike, ruck. CrossFit, you'd name yeah. it, do all those things at that time period from when I got back from my last deployment in 2010 um, and got really big into that. Even before that, even during that deployment, we all we did was a lot of, you know, strength work and because we carried the ruck already. So that's kind of our, our aerobics kind of style of training. But yeah, it led me to like today, like, you know, my first 50 mile race was six weeks after completing a Olympic distance triathlon. And before that six weeks and during that time period, all the way up to that 50 mile race that I did, I was strength training four days a week. Um, and running, I think three or, I think I was running four days a week at that time period. Did it hurt to get across the finish line? Yeah. Did it, could I have put more time in running? Cause I planned a six week workup to go run it. Sure. Um, but really what carried me over through that 50 miles was the durability from the strength training in terms of being able yeah. to handle it, you know, and it's something that we push here for guys going into selection also, you know, is like, they're like, Oh, there's not enough rucking in the program. And we're like, well, you don't need to sit there and ruck three days a week, every single day, the no, strength training I mean, that you are. Yeah. You, you know, exactly. Right. Like, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't really even ruck more than once a week. I mean, some people just like straight up overdo it. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I still, I haven't ran with the ruck in a while though, but like every, all the shorter distance stuff I do anything like you, well, depending on the terrain, usually anything like 50 K or less, I do with a 45 pound ruck. I mean, I obviously haven't done it this year cause I'm, I yeah, don't, I don't know. It's not the, the goal. Hell. Well, I, I don't know what the hell it would do to me if I did it for a hundred miles. I mean, it is the goal to do one one hundred with a forty-five pound ruck at some point. You know, I would say save that for next year. 
That's what I'm thinking. It'll probably, be the beast, it'll probably be the beast of burden because that's a super flat course and I can adjust the pace and everything. And yeah, you know, yeah, I know the course well, so I'll probably do that. Win- maybe like the winter beast next year, which is like February. But you know, my this it, it's crazy, dude. Too because like I enjoy mountain races. I, 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 you ask me to go run a flat course, I, I just won't do it. Like that's just my preference. Flat, like, flat courses are the devil. That's what I was about to say because I don't run them. I haven't, yeah. but I have ran. Well, I run mountain races. I like those more than I do flat races. Well, the the first the first race I was telling you about where I went to the hospital, that beast of burden. That's the super flat course. Yeah. And the thing with flat races though is you're the same muscles are taking the same beating over and over and over again. When you're doing a mountain course, I mean, yeah, it's it sucks and it takes its toll on you, but. At the same time, though, you're you're switching the way the muscles are being used. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you're climbing, you're going to go more glutes and hamstrings. If you're if you're flatter downhill, you're going to go more quads. So you keep switching. You know, you keep switching the different muscles you're using on and off. Though, so it actually, I'm actually less sore after a mountain race than I am after a flat race. Okay. Yeah, because like that Eagle Up Ultra where I where I had to pull it off in under 24 hours. You know, I was pretty. I was laying down at the finish line for like a good probably hour or so and your legs just randomly tighten and randomly let go. You know what I'm saying? Like that pain yeah. of flat, like the flat ones hurt. <laughs> That's yeah. It, it, it's, it's a different, res- I guess I respect athletes who do flat races and I don't say I don't because it yeah. is a different beast, you know, just in the same idea when we take a flat runner and ask them to go do a mountain race, it's a whole different beast for them too. It's kind of one of those two. So I might have to dabble with the flat race. I've done a flat 50 K yeah. before, and, See, the, and, the one thing about the mountains too is if you're a strong hiker, you do well at the mountains. You know what I'm saying? Like if you're a strong yeah. climber. Oh, dude, yeah. I think the weight training background helps out a lot with that too, though, because it makes your legs a lot more durable when it comes to going up those mountains. Yeah. Because I have, I have, fr- I know people that they can run like a, run like a, I don't know, like a mar- they could run like a marathon in like under three hours, but if you throw them out on the trail, they just get murdered. Yeah. Like, you know, like they, they just go nowhere, you know, cause I mean, road running is road. I mean, road running does, you know, does take, you know, does take a lot of, uh, does take a lot of physical ability, but at the same time though, like you don't really need that much athleticism cause you could pretty much just shut your eyes and go, you know, it's more of a, it's more of like a cardio respiratory fitness. Yeah. You know, cause like to me, like athleticism is like being able to move. And what I mean by being able to move, it's not so much like full like linear speed it's more like you know like change of yeah, direction it's it's a little bit of everything you know what yeah. i'm saying so you know like um yeah a lot of road runners don't have that they can run all they could run all day long though but if you throw like twigs branches tree roots um a hill you know like a steep climb it's like they just, their body just goes into complete shock over it yeah, the technical terrain aspect is what changes it up for them. They're not used yeah. to the to the to the change up from that. So, no, yeah, dude, trail, I, trail running requires like a lot of agility, you know, and yeah. a lot of you know, like athleticism, a lot of everything. Yeah, no, you man, know, I, you know, you get like, a, you know, there's some courses out there where you feel like you're running a speed ladder drill for like 100 miles, and it's you know, that's true. Yeah, definitely, dude. Well. Dude, I, I appreciate your time, dude, coming on the show and talking a little about your stories. Like I said, it, it, I, I wanted to go ahead and share what you're doing. I think what you're doing is, f- you know, fantastic and very, 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 uh, very hard to do. It. You said it yourself today. You know, it's 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 yeah. a hard feat to do, and you're you go in some days struggling into races. Sometimes you go in there feeling really good. You know, 
So uh, I appreciate taking your time out of this. So if anybody needs to reach you, how can they get a hold of you if they wanted to ask you questions about 100 mile races or ask you questions about ultras um, or, or help out in terms of, the, of, of what you're doing and everything else like that? How can they go ahead and get a hold of you? Uh, social media is probably the easiest way. Um, I have a Facebook page, uh, Billy the 100 Mile Slayer. Yeah, that's a that's a good that's a good way to reach me. Another way, um, Instagram. My it's just you know no underscores, no nothing. It's just Billy the Trainer. Okay. So, you know, and, um, like I say, I, I I update all the time. Every time I finish a race, I throw a photo up, and then usually like Monday or Tuesday or whenever. You know, I uh, I get situated. I'll do I'll do like a quick metal spread and show the whole progress and everything. And then Sick, uh, I have a I have a fundraising page. Uh, I started out on GoFundMe, but I switched off for this uh, DM dot life page. It's uh, DM dot life slash Billy One Hundred. Okay. It, uh, it's not only a fundraiser, but it also has like a status tracker. So it has a checklist of all the races I completed. It um it pretty much um you know it, it shows the percentage I've completed. You know, it's got pictures, stuff like that. So it's, you know, it's, it's a little, it, it gives it, you a little more information on what's going on. Yeah. So sick, man. Well, dude, again, I said, thank you. Appreciate your time, man. Um, keep chasing your goals. And I'm, and I know for me, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing, uh, this all fold out. And now that our listeners are gonna be able to check this out, um, they'll be able to help and you got some more support behind you now, brother. But, uh, I definitely, thank you for having me on the show. Oh yeah. You're welcome, man. Uh, have a good day, dude. And, uh, enjoy your next race. Cause I think you have one coming this weekend. Yeah, the uh, Crimea River 100 in Illinois. Hmm, Crimea River sounds perfect. Yeah, perfect name. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, dude. Well, thank you, brother, for being on the show. All right, thanks for having me.